1360 KXNO. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back into the 11 o'clock hour. Miller and Cotton in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. We'll catch up with Doc. Uh, get the latest on Iowa with, with Scott Dockerman uh, right now. Beginning of the week, we recap on Friday. We preview. Let's recap what we saw the first five days of college football. Bama Bob joins us. We'll do some winners and some losers, uh, that type of thing. Uh, Bama, good to talk to you. How are you? You survived it? I did. It was great. I mean, Thursday, what, 6 o'clock until... Last Notre night Dame ended last night. You gotta love it. No, it was great, and people were st- tuning in until the end too to see if uh, uh, if Notre Dame would come back and cover, uh, which adds an entirely yeah. different layer to it. Well, let's go around. Uh, what did you learn, type of thing? And um, I don't know if it's as simple as doing winners and losers from week one, but maybe your biggest takeaway. Who was the biggest winner? Uh, was Bama? We'll start with you, and then we'll get Trent and Alopine, uh in college football this weekend. Well, I think there were a few of them. I love, you know, Wyoming, big win over Missouri, an SEC team. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's probably flips to another subject of losers on the other <laughs> side. But, you know, you got props to them, you know, for, you know, the big win in Laramie. Virginia going on the road and beating Pitt. I think Trent's on to something with his, with his Cavaliers. Um, that's a <laughs> nice win. <laughs> yeah, Auburn coming back over Oregon. That's I mean, that was almost beat. a must win for them. And I'll tell you another one, and it's really off the field, and I put it out on Twitter. I mean, how about Matt Millen? I mean, whether you like him or whether you don't. I agree. Seven months ago, not... not He was on his deathbed, Bama. ...or anything. A heart transplant, and he's back in the booth seven months later. Whether you like him, whether you don't, whether you like his analysis or not, a great player, mm-hmm. and it's just a great story for me. No, it really wasn't, Trent. You go back to Chicago, and Matt Miller was mm-hmm. at Big Ten Media Days when we were there. and the, He was and the, flipping Kirk some crap as he, he was, was walking by. Absolutely was. And then the people that you know just would go come up to him, and I don't know if they knew him or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's Matt Miller. I'm sure he knows a ton of people. Just to back up Bama's point, just glad that Matt Miller got through this and um, is able yeah. to, to, to do what he does. Uh, Trent, your biggest winner from the weekend? I think it might be the Wisconsin Badgers. After a Huge step back a year ago. A mm-hmm. preseason top five team that stumbled their way into a seven and five type of season. They look like Wisconsin again. The yeah. offensive line was excellent. We know what they have with Taylor, but most importantly, even with new faces on defense, they look like a Wisconsin defense. Not only good enough to win the West, I think this team could be good enough to win the Big Ten. Maybe overreaction. I was really impressed, though, by the Badgers. No, I was, too. It's hard not to be. The offensive line was really good, and that was a question there, and you're right about the, the running back. He's not bad, Mr. Young Mr. Taylor. My winner of the week, yeah. boys, was Mac Brown um, for a couple of reasons. Yeah. A, he's back doing what he wants to do. I don't know if you saw the interview after the game, either one of you guys, when they p- picked off South I Carolina. I mean, A, to, um, to give South Carolina another chance that they did would have taken a miracle, but you know the coaching staff uh, almost laid a giant brain fart there. But Mac Brown just emotional. Was it Allison Williams? I think it was that was on the field interview. He couldn't get the words out. Bama. He was in tears. He's maybe one of my bigger we- winners from the weekend. You saw. It. What did you think? Yeah, I saw it too. Um, I-, I thought it was you know obviously very emotional. This is a guy. 
you know, how about less miles too? I mean, you know, yeah. it wasn't a pretty win, but it was a win at Kansas. So kind of one, one for the old dogs, but you, you're right. Mac Brown. I mean, you could tell what it meant to him. I, I, I don't think, I think when he left Texas and he was out for, I don't know how many years it's been, two, three, whatever it is, uh, he probably thought he'd never get another mm-hmm. chance. And you can tell how much he, he loves it. Um, you know, they got a long way to go. Uh, obviously, I still don't know, you know, how good they're going right, to be, right. you know, this year and long term. But for one week, I mean, it was it was it was very emotional. And you can just tell the, the humanity and what it meant to him. My other winner, guys, was Jalen Hurts, um, you know, for playing out his <laughs> playing out his college string at Oklahoma. Bama, he looked like a different quarterback to me. He really did. Um, and, and you watched Alabama week in and week out. You saw his entire career, and he was he lost his gig to a really good player. Don't get me wrong, but it was good to see him right. come out and, you know, this Grinch guy, the defensive coordinator for Oklahoma. Oklahoma's defense took a step forward. Jalen Hurts, whether he was throwing the ball or holding onto the ball and running the ball, maybe the maybe as big a winner as we saw a weekend. Yeah, what a great name for a coordinator, by the way, Grinch. Yeah, right. I mean, it's stingy, but I agree with you, Ken. Um, you know, there was a little bit of debate. Um, you know, the Skip Bayless do some idiotic thing out there that you saw about you know Nick Saban regretting moving to Tua. I'm like, you know, which is crap. But um, every listen, there is not a person, there is not an Alabama fan that I know that's not happy for Jalen Hurts. The way he handled it, it was the right move going to Tua without question. He was struggling. He does look different. Um, he, he's going to be in the Heisman race. He's, he, he might win the Heisman because of the conference that he plays. Mm. He's going to put up enormous numbers. Um, and Lincoln Riley, if you're an OU fan, oh, my goodness, A, are you happy, and B, are you nervous because the NFL is going to come calling for that guy when you're that innovative. And they showed some of the the plays. I thought, uh, you know, they did a great job showing some of the just the intricacies of of that offense and kind of the the misdirection, eye candy, if you will, flowing one way and going back the other. I mean, it's just beautiful to watch. But good for Jalen Hurts, and everybody down here is rooting for him. Unless, of course, Alabama and Oklahoma meet in the playoff. And what kind of a story would that oh, be? Wow. And if you don't think the committee's rooting for that, yeah. you're nuts. No, I, I'm with <laughs> it. Does, does anybody else, and I can't be the only one that thinks this, think that Justin Verlander and Lincoln Riley are separated at birth? <laughs> Maybe a little yeah, bit. You yeah, you know what I mean? I mean, they, they kind of look alike yeah. in, in a lot of ways. Trent, your biggest loser of the week. Biggest loser of the week, well, it was hard. There wasn't a quote-unquote upset, but it's the Pac-12 as a whole because of Oregon's loss Mm. and what happened, a game that they dominated. They should have won that football game by multiple scores. Yeah, Melzon finds another way to pull one out of his backside Mm. and gets the victory there. Not just Oregon, though. The Pac-12 as a whole, that's a big stinger. Yeah, no doubt. Bama? Yeah, I'm going in to piggyback on that, you know, uh, USC losing yep. JT Daniels yep. because those are two; those were the two kind of bellwethers in that conference. Maybe you want to throw in Washington; they look pretty good over a nobody. But um, I'll I'll go a couple. You know, obviously, you know Tennessee losing at home to Georgia State. I don't understand it. This and that's as much on Phil Phil Former's legacy is going to take a hit if this doesn't work out with Jeremy Pruitt because he stepped in and inserted himself and you know kind of shoved Greg Schiano to the side. Florida State, my God, again, mm. losing to a freshman quarterback, giving up 600-plus yards, shut out in the second half. To me, the biggest loser of all might be South Carolina, kind of the flip side of Bentley. the Mac Brown story. Guys, they lose to a two-win team. They lose their quarterback in the process. Uh, we don't know for how long. I don't think it's season injury, but he's going to be out, it looks like, multiple weeks. 
And by the way, they're 0 and 1. They've got Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, LSU, mm. Auburn, and A&M left to play. Mm. I mean, it's just brutal that schedule. And I mean, this looks this has the makings now, particularly without Bentley for a while of a four-win team. Yeah, I'm with you, Bama. That was on my list for biggest loser of the week was USC and their fan base because, um, you know, there, there's going to be wholesale changes, one would think, yeah. whether that's Urban Meyer going forward. And I guess you got to root for that at this point. Although, selfishly, I think he's really good in studio. But, again, you watch game day before, for the most part. But I think Fox's, uh, that pregame show is uh, is pretty decent. I'll throw out, too, um, the Iowa State fan base who thought that this was going to be an historical season. I don't, th- man, look, it's weak. Week one, but that's all we've got to go on right now, and you have to go to triple overtime against you and I and your quarterback to have to dive on a fumble after the running back lost it. Uh, that was a remarkable play by Brock Purdy, but this is certainly it after was. week one doesn't have anywhere near the markings of what could be an historical season. And Northwestern, likewise, uh, Hunter Johnson, a five-star quarterback, please. Um, you know he he yeah. struggled mightily, and he was in the system all of last year. It's not like he just got there. He he sat out last year, and he was part of this system. Um, why can't why I asked Trent this earlier? Why why don't people go to Stanford football games? I uh, yeah I don't know. I, mean, <laughs> I don't I really get it don't, either. Other than, other than it's California and yeah, there's so many other things to do, and it's real. I mean, you know, I know it's Bay Area versus you know L.A. Obviously, you got so many other things to do out there. I don't know, but that is that is a great team, and they put pros in every year. You know, Andrew Luck, go, you know, just you know Bryce Love. I mean, just just go down the list, and I don't know why, but I mean, other than it was a beautiful day, and people just wanted to be outside. And I'm going to give you another loser out of that game. What the hell was Pat Fitzgerald doing wearing shorts on the sideline? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Never I under, I, you know, if you were wearing a collar shirt, that's okay. Yeah, but I'm like shorts. Seriously. <laughs> Anyway, well, he's in, he's in California. Uh, Trent, I who, guess who is better than you thought they'd be? Again, we've seen sixty minutes of football sure. in most cases, but who is maybe better than you thought? Well, back to the original thing that I talked about, Wisconsin certainly is going to be on yeah. that list for me. What they were able to do. Are they now your favorite to win the Big Ten West? I think so. Absolutely, I, think so I would put them up at the top of that one. Who else is better? I don't want to overreact that I, I didn't there outside of the Badgers there wasn't a team that okay. I said big time. Wow, this is my perception is completely changed on that team. How about you? Uh from for me uh well I'll go for next on uh, we'll get to Bama. Um Iowa. Okay. Is better because I think that they've got some I mean Mackay Sargent was terrific. I think Brandon Smith still want a little bit more accuracy out of Nate Stanley. I think they were better. And Oklahoma State. Oh. Oklahoma State's got some dudes. As Sanders, this quarterback, I think he's going to put up some big numbers. And Hubbard, what do you run for? 230 or something like that? Um, that was really good. Um, I think Utah, we thought Utah was going to be pretty good, but that was a big win over BYU earlier in the week. Bama, who's better than you thought? LSU. I mean, look out. They might have themselves yeah. an offense. And if Joe they Burrow. Do, they're going to be. Oh, my God, they're going to be tough. Uh, listen, I know it was against Little Sisters of the Poor, yeah. whoever they played, Georgia Southern or whoever it was, and they're going to get tested going to Austin this week. But, I mean, Kenny, we know the saying. Yeah. They, they might have a chance because they look like they might have a quarterback, and they yeah. certainly look like a different offense than we're used to seeing with them. So uh, if, if, they, if they go to Austin and win and are impressive doing it, um, in a, you know, impressive, you know, seven point, 10 point win, whatever it is. Uh, and I'm not saying they will, cause I'm not, it's like you said, it's week one. It was mm-hmm. an FCS team, Georgia Southern, but my goodness, if that offense is anything 
resembling what it looked like uh, to go along with that defense and then that stadium that they play in. I mean, they are going to be hell this year. Yeah, no doubt about it. Great point. And, um, you know, we'll save that for the, the games we'll talk about on Friday, but uh, they got he's got that quarterback whisper. Brady comes over from New Orleans to help him out. Guys, how do we how do we not put Tennessee in the equation Ooh. for biggest loser? Uh, Bama, what's going on there? Yeah, I don't know, and that's why I was saying they were on my loser list. And it to me, it's it's you know Jeremy Pruitt comes out and says, "Oh, we got to get back to work." Well, what the hell have you been doing the last three months, Jeremy? I mean, that's one of the things that that I don't understand. And he was playing the youth card again, kind of like Chip Kelly and. Um, you know, listen again. A team that's got Alabama on the schedule, Florida, Georgia. Mm. Uh, they were five and seven last year. You know, you don't go to a bowl game two years in a row. You, you're in Derek Dooley territory yeah. uh, at Tennessee, and, and then that's what I was saying. To me, this is this is if this doesn't work, this is gonna this is gonna blow back on Phil Fulmer a little mm-hmm. bit because he basically made himself the athletic director. Threw Greg Schiano to the curb when they wanted to hire him and hire Jeremy Pruitt. Couldn't get Mike Gundy again. Uh, and, you know, if this doesn't work out, this is going to blow back on Fulmer and Pruitt. And right now, I just, I have, there's no excuse, zero excuses for not being ready and more prepared to play that game on Saturday at home. Uh, you know, against a, a team that really had no business staying on the field with you and to lose it. Uh, more than anything, I, I mean, you're, you're going to see you're going to see tens of thousands of empty seats yes. in Neyland Stadium and Doak Campbell Stadium this week, and that's just that's to, almost worse than anger in a program mm-hmm. is apathy, and right. we're approaching that at Tennessee and Florida State. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt about it on both counts. Yeah, Garitano, I thought he was a better quarterback. His numbers were there, but man, did you see the yeah. building boys at the end of that football game for the? There was would you stick there. around? No, I wouldn't have stuck around. Of course, I wouldn't have stuck around. But <laughs> you would have stuck right. around if the game was yeah, no uh, going yeah. positive. Yeah, that that well, was to stick game. around, Trent. He would have had to go in the first. True place, but, you know, story. That was a different topic. So. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll have a whole bunch of topics for you on uh, Friday, Bama. It's a pretty good slate. Week one was eh, we've. We've seen better, right? But it's college football, and we're all jacked up about it. And there were some decent games, no doubt. But there's a really good slate coming up on uh, this weekend. Not Thursday because of the NFL lid lifter, and certainly not Friday. I think there's maybe one Marshall-Boise State might be the marquee game yeah. on Friday. But we got a bunch of games on Saturday, and we'll talk with, uh, with you about them on Friday. Bama, thanks for recap. We'll talk to you at the end of the week. I look forward to it, guys. Take care. Yeah, good to talk to you. Bama Bob, uh, Trent and I going around college football as we do every Monday. We recap Tuesday, or Friday rather, we preview. Best game of the weekend was for me. Like betting-wise or just entertainment-wise? Just entertainment-wise. Oh, that's a good one. What was it? Friday night I got home Mm -hmm. after high school football. Mm -hmm. Flipped on, flipped around. There's a couple of games on. And Nevada-Purdue. Crazy finish. Really good. It was a good game. Get to see Norvell, former Iowa Hawkeye, out yeah. there, a guy that... How long was the kick? 50-what? To, 56. To, wow. And he just, he bombed it. Yeah. It, and wasn't, he He got up in the morning, on Friday morning, didn't know he was going right. to kick that night. And then in the locker room, yeah, get the gets scholarship. a scholarship. That was just, awesome. Everything going, yeah. I mean, they got so many breaks in the game. It was entertaining, it was fun. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it had to happen on CBS Sports Network, Friday night at like 1 a.m., but still... It was really entertaining. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you and say I saw the end of it, uh, but I, I certainly saw the... Uh, well, you just need to get a baby in your life, and then you can, you can be staying up watching these things. <laughs> That's what I need at 60. That's right. Uh, we'll take a time out. We'll come back. Scott Dockerman, we've yet to hear from the Iowa perspective of things from this past weekend. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic joins Trent and I next. Miller and Condon till noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. No.
streaming live from coast to coast on iHeartRadio. This is 1460 KXNO. Welcome back, Miller and Condon. Our thanks to Bama Bob. Always enjoy going around college football after a busy weekend. This weekend was no different. Let's get the Iowa perspective of things. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. He's a busy guy. Media availability is over today as uh, Iowa will head right into the Big Ten, ready or not against what I thought was a much-improved Rutgers team who fell down behind about 14-zip uh, five minutes into the football game. But they got some dudes, including a left-handed quarterback in McLean Carter, who can really chuck this ball around. Scott Dockerman, good to talk to you. Trent and Ken, how are you? Hey, doing great, guys. How about yourself? Doing fine. Uh, glad it's back. It's a wonderful time of year, and I guess let's uh, you know let's dive right into it. And I begin with the offensive side of the football. You know, my biggest well, and a number of them. Uh, I will certainly not going to hog them all. Trent's got some <laughs> opinions too, but let's go to the running back position first of all because that to me was. Uh, uh, as good as any, um, Makai Sargent and Torn Young too. Torn Young was good. Makai Sargent to me, it looks as though that confidence is there, Doc. Maybe a little tentative last year at times. You know, he got there late, as we know. Sargent looks like a different guy this year. He's much more aggressive in how he runs. There's no tentative streak into him anymore, and I, I, he seemed to get that in the off season that this was what he needed to do and he did it uh, you know he looks more physically fit and that's probably the result of an off-season workout re- regimen but then also just the, the comfort within the scheme it's not an easy scheme for a running back because you know you're you're looking at angles and then you're trying to cut at some point and in a, there's a difference between being tentative and and being patient and I think he, he struck the right chord the other day but I will say this. I thought the offensive line blocked as well as I've seen in a mm. long time. And, and a lot of that's the interior. And then they had to adjust a lot of different aspects to that. You know, with uh, And I thought Tyler Linderbaum was terrific. terrific. I thought the guards played well. And then Tristan Wirfs was the best player on the field. Speaking of that offensive line, of course, the injury to Alaric Jackson opened things up. We saw a lot of different combinations. And even with that, they were still able to run the football. A guy, though, that we don't know a ton about, Kyler Schott, walk-on kid, and, and another walk-on success story. He went out there. I know Pro Football Focus had him graded out very well. Your thoughts on him and, and his story, where he came from? Yeah, a really tough-minded kid from uh, North Lynn there and, and just north of Cedar Rapids. A walk-on. They call him Shooter, you know, for his last name, Schott. And, uh, you know, he's the, he's the traditional Iowa walk-on story. You know, didn't get... You know, much of an of a look early in his uh, in his high school, so that he came to Iowa, walked on, and built his way into that uh, into that starting role at least for the next week or so. So he uh, he performed very well, very physical, very tough. You know, wrestler in high school. So uh, that, you know that that's really uh, you know a credit to to what Iowa was able to do with offensive linemen, and and uh, I dare say that there's a couple of young ones. Who performed really well as you know in alternate roles and rotational roles and Cody Entz uh, was terrific and I thought uh, Justin Britt what a great story he is as well uh, you know had an ACL tear and meniscus tear a year ago uh, came to Iowa enrolled early in January just in and part of it they wanted him to because that way they could kind of supervise his uh, rehab um, Kirk talked him up last year that you know he, he sounded much beyond his years when it came to talking about football and then he is, he's been really good um, in, in how he's performed. So it's a surprise he's even playing, and he played well. So 
Uh, I think the young offensive linemen really came to play the other day. Yeah, and the youth, too. Just to drive home your point, Doc, as you mentioned, Britt, true freshman, it's redshirt freshman, uh, shot, redshirt sophomore. The redshirt freshman at center, who you mentioned a few minutes ago, Linderbaum, boy, are they ever set at that position for the foreseeable future. Doc, we heard a lot about him. There was a lot of hype around him. This goes all the way back to spring when they think they'd found their guy. Uh, there was certainly nothing in the fall that led anybody to believe that they uh, uh, that they overhyped him. What a career in front of uh, Tyler Linderbaum. Without a doubt. I mean, he's just, uh, it's funny, you know, uh, Tristan Wirfs called him a pit bull uh, just in the way he attacks people. And that's the way he was in high school, too, at Solon High School as a wrestler and as a football player. You know, four-sport guy. One of the most interesting aspects for me is what he did last summer. He was a pitcher and first baseman for the Solon baseball team, and he was playing baseball at night, and then he he was participating in the 6 a.m. workouts at Iowa, So he was, and then going to class, and then every night, you know, doing baseball practice or games. So a um, really dedicated athlete, and it really showed up. And then uh, on one of the most impressive plays, if not the most impressive play the other night, was a 41-yard screen pass to Makai Sargent, who had really good feel on that um, catch and run. But Tyler Linderbaum was downfield 20 yards blocking a guy and, and pancaking him. And uh, that, that just shows his athletic ability and, and speed. Um, it's, it's rare. And I think right away you could kind of spot that this guy is going to be something special, uh, maybe even this year, but certainly into the future. Sticking with the offense, this is the deepest wide receiver group ever in Kirk Ferentz's tenure. Is that fair to say? You know, I think you might be onto something mm. there. I kind of agree with you. I mean, they're five deep that can really play. Desmond Hudson also played. Mm-hmm. I think they looked uh, they looked apart. You know, and I think you know a lot of credit got, has to go to Nate Stanley as well. You know, completed seventy percent of his passes, three touchdowns, no picks, uh, only a couple of misses, and and spread it to ten different receivers. And you look at that receiving group. I mean, probably the most important part is that they all have different roles and they all do different things. I mean, from Brandon Smith being the X receiver, big physical, can make highlight reel catches. And it's just, you know, he's getting more explosion in his routes. He's running lower, running with more power. Uh, Amir Smith-Marset's the fastest receiver they have. And then Oliver Martin, you know, really, you know, first catch as a Hawkeye was Mm. for a touchdown. And uh, just so much more polished, you know, probably the most polished receiver. So uh, I think they, uh, they, they look the part. You know, now it's a matter of uh, can they measure up to McNutt and DJK and Keenan Davis and those guys? We'll see, but I think they're right there in that category. Yeah, going to be fun to watch, and I agree with Trent, and he's been saying that for weeks, and I thought he was nuts, but uh, they, they, that was eye-opening on Saturday night, and Oliver Martin just made them deeper. I think there's still room for uh, Nate Stanley even to take another step, Doc. As you mentioned, he missed a couple, not a ton. I think if he hits Reganey in stride and in, instead of making him slow down a little bit and catching the ball off his back hip, he probably scores. I mean, I'm picking nits, right? It was a really clean performance for the most part offensively, but still some room to, room to improve for Nate Stanley? Without a doubt. I mean, it was the first uh, game for him. And, and again, you know, I, I think in a lot of cases, Stanley gets more uh, crit- critiques, I would say, more than most quarterbacks mm-hmm. do, partly because he misfired on some long passes as a, as a sophomore. And, uh, you know, he missed on a couple. But then, then there were a couple of receivers who turned the wrong way or had the wrong uh, angle on a couple things. And even though they made catches, maybe weren't quite as uh, in stride as they should be. But I think... I think you're right. I, I, he does his accuracy needs to improve, and I think that just kind of comes with time. And and really, uh, you know, but the other night, 
I don't think you could be uh, upset with, uh, you know, 70% completion percentage and, and uh, three touchdowns, no picks, 250 yards, and be able to spread it around the way he did. No doubt. And the bubble screen is back, final touchdown on one of my favorites from back in the day. And uh, O'Keefe, uh, a little wrinkle that he likes to throw in. Let's jump to defense. Not a whole lot out of A.J. Epinesa. And, Doc, you know how it goes when, when the big All-American preseason All-American doesn't have a big game first game out. People start hitting the panic button. What did you see out of Epinesa? I think he played his part, and it's part of being a team player and, and part of playing team defense when other teams decide to hit, chip, double team, and in some cases triple team uh, an All-American player like that. It opens up you know, more one-on-one pass rush potential and, and uh, it frees up people. And, I mean, they held uh, Miami to less than 60 uh, yards rushing on the ground, and so – I think he did what he needed to do. It's just, you know, people will kind of glom onto that statistics, only one tackle. But he got some good pass rush off. I, I think he's uh, he's got to be prepared for uh, double teams, and I think this is the time when people like uh, uh, Chauncey Golston, uh, uh, Davian Nixon, and some of the others need to really step up and take advantage of those opportunities because, uh, you know, A.J. Epineza will get his eventually. There's no doubt about it. And I'm sure he's probably ticked that he didn't get make more of a of an impact himself in that game but 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 really when when you're causing two or sometimes three people to 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 block you in passing situations you're doing your job no matter if you get there or not i thought the fan base was at its loudest of course when oliver martin scored i get that but maybe just maybe it was close when armani jones got that sack boy that was uh that was really good to see a guy that's you know he's uh he's, he's Played his role in this in this team, and he's done what's ever been asked of him. He's getting you know limited uh, limited snaps now because of the guy in front of him. But boy, oh boy, uh, when he got to the quarterback, and made that play, I thought the place was going to go crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And and Amani Jones is one of the favorite players on the team by the players themselves. He is the he has such high energy. He is the one that elevates the team and is never. I mean, you know, sometimes you're like, wow, you got to take a step back, but. Yeah, to be able to, to come off the edge like that to play and make a big play after what he experienced last year, you know, getting benched really in the second mm-hmm. series of the season after being the starting middle linebacker all season. I mean, it's really, it comes full circle for him. And, you know, he only had three snaps on defense. Uh, they ran that uh, that package three different times. But I expect him to be on the field making a bigger contribution in the future because uh, he just does some, he has some special qualities that you don't find in many defensive linemen. You know, his height is, as a disadvantage, but it can also be an advantage for him because he's so quick and explosive that I think it's going to be hard for a lot of tackles to, to keep track of him. So, Doc, we spent countless hours talking about the four-two-five, how it's part of the identity <laughs> really? now, and what was it, uh, about four or five snaps, and then all of a sudden, uh, here comes the four-three back out there again for Iowa's defense. Yeah, it uh, for almost the entire second half, barring one play, the Imani Jones sack, yeah. Uh, it was 4-3 the whole way, and, and that makes some sense when you think about it because uh, there's, uh, you know, they had some issues, I thought, the first half with tackling, um, and uh, the cash defender, uh, D.J. Johnson, was making his first start. He was making really his first contributions, and I think in some ways you, you looked at it and you said, you know, um, I think uh, they needed to, to be just more settled down and that's what they did when they went 4-3. They really weren't inhibited that much in the passing game, although I thought Brett Gabbert was a really good quarterback yeah, for as young too. as he was and yep. poised, but mm-hmm. but I think the 4-3 was the way to go in that game. 
this week and beyond, you know, they're going to have to really get that nickel defense set up. Yeah, I'm with you, Doc. And, and Gabbert did play well. Now, we won't see Miami again until Maction at some point in, <laughs> in late October, early November, but, but he certainly wasn't bad. Uh, your, your biggest, uh, maybe concern after what you saw against Miami, secondary perhaps, although they, they certainly, um, didn't look out of place as well. What, what did you come away with? Well, they got to work, uh, work on this prior to Rutgers. I, I, yeah, I would definitely probably lean on the defense, even though I thought they played a really good game for the most part. But, you know, you've got to get that uh, cash personnel better. And, and there was some out of, out of place. And I think you're going to expect that with young players who are, um, you know, not really, uh, you know, used to that kind of intensity and in action. So they made some mistakes early and it cost Iowa a little bit. So I think, you know, they've got to get that rectified. You know, they've got some, you know, pretty talented. Again, Rutgers has some talented uh, uh, offensive players. Mm-hmm. Iowa State certainly does. So they, they've got to really get shore up a little bit on that pass game. But, but by and large, um, other than, you know, maybe a little bit more of a pass rush as well, which is kind of surprising. But I think th- that's really the two areas that I would say, you know, needs to, uh, you know, be improved here going forward. But, you know, week one to week two, I think they usually make a lot of strides. Got to see on the special teams, Duncan out there, Keith Duncan, the kicker, perfect on his extra points, knocked in a field goal, him and Shudek. Looks like it's probably going to be a race. What would you guess? If it's 45 or more, maybe Shudak gets the call. Is that, a, is that a fair at least guess right now is how it plays out? That That's probably accurate. Uh, Shudak has the stronger leg. That's why he's kicking off. And, and uh, you know, if we do see a 45-plus field goal, I guess we'll find out. Uh, but, but Keith Duncan, you know, stepped in. He didn't know until the Tuesday before the – the game that he was going to be the guy taking the the, the extra points in the in the uh, field, shorter field goals and he was perfect. So you know, it was, from what we saw during just our brief you know intro into training camp, I thought they both they both looked good. So you know, I don't think they have any really worries there. But I think this may be a, kind of a King Solomon uh, split for Iowa, which is hey Duncan, you're the you're the primary short range kicker and. And Shudak, you get extra, you get the long ones and maybe, uh, you know, kickoffs and maybe makes them both happy, I suppose. So I, I think it would turn out to be a good decision. Last thing for you, Scott Document for The Athletic Doc. What did you learn about the Big Ten, Part A, and then Part B in particular? What did you learn about the Big Ten West after Week 1? Well, I, I would start by uh, Justin Fields had a heck of a debut. Yeah, I sure Ohio did. Ohio State really looked good. Early, yep. I don't yeah, I don't know what we learned at all from Maryland winning seventy nine to nothing against <laughs> Howard. I, I think maybe that they've got some talent and Howard doesn't. Um, I, as for the West, though, I mean the most impressive team to me all week anywhere in college football was Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. The way they dominated uh, South Florida, which I, I expected Wisconsin to win and, and win by a couple of scores. I didn't think it'd be forty nine to nothing, and and they looked like they were mid season Wisconsin form. That offense was was terrific uh, the way they blocked for Jonathan Taylor and then of course the defense you know pitched a shutout. So uh, I was I think I'm concerned a little bit for for Minnesota. Offensive line just did not look the part for me. I they were slow. They, you know, very finesse for being as big as what they are and and they're going to get eaten alive um, especially on the right tackle. Um, you know, with Nebraska, I don't know what to, how to gauge it. Mm-hmm. You know, their offense didn't play very well. Nope. The defense scored but it's not like South Alabama's, you know, uh, even as good as Miami. So I would say the West looks very, still very competitive. 
Um, you know, there's a lot of question marks, you know, that pop up, and teams are going to have to make strides. But by and large, uh, you know, I think it was the, the Badgers impressed me the most. Yeah, and whoever made Hunter Johnson a five star needs <laughs> to turn in uh, his uh, whatever, wherever he were. That was bad. Uh, Doc, great stuff. Appreciate it. We will talk to you uh, next Monday after Rutgers and Iowa finish their business, and we look forward to uh, look ahead to Cyhawk. Thank you, Doc. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the time. Yeah, good to talk to you. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Hunter Johnson trade. That's a five-star. Well, and it wasn't like it was one guy making that. It was coaches and scouts. Yeah, I guess. I went to Clemson. Right. Dab- Dabo saw something there. Apparently he did. Maybe he just bought the, saw the stars and said, yeah, we'll take them. I don't know. He, he was bad. Uh, 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 Frank Green's kid, TJ, mm-hmm. wasn't much better. Nebraska. And did you see he's hurt? Yes, I did see him get hurt. He he got a double whammy on one play. It looked mm-hmm. like he took a knee to the head and then went down and got his leg rolled up underneath him. That was a tough watch. Why this? Why do people not go to Stanford games? Did you see that that, that stadium? Uh huh. Trend it's not even half. And I get it. It's, it's been like this forever. Right. But why? <laughs> because you live in Palo Alto. I guess, but it's one day a week. You get eight yeah. of them every year. You're not going to live in the Bay Area for Stanford football. I don't know. I guess. I mean, they've had and some the dudes students there. aren't there. Oh, they're not there. No, they, oh, don't... they go. That's right. They le- they go later in the year and come back. That's a yes. good point. Good point. So students aren't there. Mm-hmm. They just it'll never gain a whole lot of traffic. I mean, they have renovated that stadium. They took out a ton of seats to make it at least look better when they get fifty thousand in there. But they certainly didn't have fifty thousand in there Saturday afternoon. Boy, isn't that the case, Illinois? Pounded the crap out. And I'm not saying Illinois is going to be a threat in the West. Can they flirt with six? I hope so. Yeah. I kind of like Lovey Smith. They're going to get a, a couple. I mean, they won four games last year. Mm-hmm. They can win two more. I think so. The I schedule so sets too. up incredibly well. They get UConn this week, who is awful. Just terrible. And then Eastern Michigan, who is at best an average MAC team. And then they get the Cornhuskers coming in week four. So go 3-0 and in non-con and find three wins somehow in Big Ten play? I think Nebraska might be one of them, at least of what we saw Saturday. Yeah, it wasn't good. It I agree with awful. you. It was not good. Um, you know, Sip came on making a big deal of that center uh, that was back because I guess Scott Frost, that was his big talking point leading up to week one. This kid never even stayed on the field through halftime. He was so bad they had to replace him. Had to play Maurice Washington. Well, it was, I don't think it's a surprise that they were going to play him. Yeah. Um, not a good look. No, but look, at they've had running backs in the past that they've put in football games, it's true. right? Um, yeah, really good one, Lawrence Phillips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, really good on the field, off the field, not so good. Anyways, my biggest takeaway, maybe from the Big Ten, and I was got him this week. Watch out for this Rutgers team. No, no, I, here's no. what I'll say. No, no, Do no. you remember two years ago when Texas played Texas Tech on Thanksgiving night, and we were, and you heard me, no one else did because we weren't here. <laughs> And I came in and you said, you know what? I think this Texas Tech's got a quarterback for next year. This left-handed quarterback, he's pretty good. Okay. It's McLean Carter. Right. He's really good. He's, he's got a chance, Trent. He's a decent Rutgers QB. And here's the thing about them. It's more than that. They got some skill dudes. I was going to win the football game. 20 points, too many. Too many. Too oh, many. Making the call early this week. Well, I kind of had a good week. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Four and one. Uh, we'll take a time out. We'll come back. If you want to chime in, uh, we'll open up the phones at 284-5966. We do ask you this to uh, to jump online during the break if you uh, if you possibly can. As um, Trent and I um, will take you up until noon. 284-5966. You want to share your thoughts on the weekend? If not, we'll continue with ours. Maybe sprinkle in some baseball conversation. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460.org.
24 hour sports anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio. This is 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Final couple of minutes of the program. Miller and Condon take you up until not quite noon. Did you watch any baseball this weekend? A little bit. Kind of tough? Not a ton. Watch the Cubs. Uh, they couldn't score a run. They, they yeah. finally scored yesterday in what, the seventh inning. Mm-hmm. Uh, scored uh, Friday afternoon, but nothing on Saturday, nothing on Sunday, uh, but came out of it yesterday against Seattle tonight. You told me during the break, um, and we kind of anticipated this, right? When uh, Ross and I were at Prairie doing the Fanatics, when uh, Chris and his wife were welcoming their second daughter, mm-hmm. um, that the numbers would be askew and that they would shade these lines and Bogdanovich from William Hill said, no, that's not, we don't want to do that. Right. We want it to be the same across the board, right? Right. But that's not, that's just not going to happen because it's about balancing the books for the most part. Mm-hmm. And, um, so maybe it's a little bit of, you know what? I don't think it was a white lie. I go back to what, you know, my takeaway, one of my takeaways from that day is they didn't realize how big that I, when I was state would move the needle. Right. And, and they do and they did. And so maybe he was just caught off guard by that. But Riverside, uh, you've, the, the Cyhawk line at Prairie remains four. Remains four. Iowa State minus four, still the line there, still no total. But, but you go over to Riverside just to hop, skip, and a jump away from Iowa City. That point spread's different. It was different. It's been about three, three mm-hmm. and a half. So a half point different, or maybe a full point. After the game Saturday, though, that line has shifted. Quite significantly in the world of betting, Iowa State is now down to a one and a half That's point a big favorite. move. So you're talking a two point swing because of one week in a football game. Because Trent, of one football game, they can't get a bet on Iowa State at this point. Well, because it's Eastern, and Iowa. that has a, a big, big factor in it. No and question. This goes all the way back when we found out officially we were getting it and the parameters of it. And I said, I'm going to open up an account in all as these different decks. Next time in Council Bluffs, I will open an account there. I'm not going to throw thousands of dollars in it, but 100 bucks there, 100 mm-hmm. bucks here, just because the lines are so different. And another thing, if you would have bet Iowa at the beginning of the week when it was 22 and a half or 23, what did it go off at? 25 at Prairie, also 25 at Riverside. You would have had a beautiful middling opportunity mm. that actually hit. What this means, you bet it at 22 and a half, say you lay the 22 and a half with Iowa. And then that point spread gets all the way up to 25. You grab them. And you go the other way. If it hits in the middle, as it did, 24 points, the difference in the game. Now, that's rare, but it does happen. Yeah. You win yeah. both bets. And there are professional gamblers that will go out there and do just this. They will bet a bunch of games hoping for a middling opportunity. And if you hit one a weekend, you're up big. You hit a couple of those bets throughout the course because, yes, you're giving back a little bit in the middle with the juice. But... These are the kind of things that if you're really looking to make a profit, I don't. I know the reality is I'm not going to make a profit long-term at this. But that's what you're trying to do. These are the situations you need to hit. Yeah, less than 1% of the people make a profit betting sports. Repeat that again, please. Less than 1%. Thank you. So if there's 100 people, not even one (laughs) makes a profit. Yes. Uh, It's unbelievable. So... um, Excuse me, I had to cough. Oh, so one and a half at Riverside. One and a half. Yeah, yes. I agree with you, Trent. If you, um, you know, if you're bouncing around the state, um, speaking it, of it middling pays. opportunities right now, you could put a bet yes, down right now at point. Riverside and a bet here. At and if it ends Iowa State mm-hmm. two or three, you win both sides of the bet. 
These are the things you have to do. And after what we saw this past weekend, I think that this is going to be an unbelievably close, low-scoring football game if I'm looking down the road two weeks. I think that's fair to say. Mm -hmm. Two really good defenses. Two really good defenses. Uh, Iowa's got a better offense than Iowa State. At least at this point in the season, and yeah, you know, the home crowd will be—I mean, they'll be full throat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's going to be a very close, low-scoring football game. If I had to predict here today, as opposed to an eleven o'clock kickoff, it's a three o'clock kickoff. Four more hours mm-hmm. of getting ready. Uh, Percentage-wise, that game day is in Ames. Five percent. Yeah, maybe high. Maybe ten. It it comes down. Well, you got to you got to root for Maryland yes. for starters. If Syracuse wins that game against Maryland, they're going there. I think so too. And, and the, look, we know they've never been to Ames. They've never been to Syracuse. They've never been to Syracuse. So they're going. They got a chance to check one of those two boxes. And the, the primetime game is Clemson and Syracuse. And how expensive is it to fly from Ames? To Syracuse, New York. Well, I don't think it's to that get much. Herb Street there. I mean, they've got that trade package because they always, they you know, they fly do. in the guest on that. Uh, what what is it? Not NetJets. It's something. It's a new company this year. I never heard of it. Oh, okay, but um, yeah, that flies in there. The guest picker. Um, but they got a trade deal, so I don't, I don't think money's involved there. But I do think, in some respects, I'm anxious to see how Game Day treats Fox going forward, because Fox is coming after their advertising dollars and their audience by putting on that pregame show. Will it matter? I don't know. Murph and Andy at two fanatics at four. Baseball tonight for you? Oh yeah, me too. Your car, your uh, Twins are up five and a half. Five and a half. Jeez, keep building. Uh, indeed, uh, St. Louis Cardinals can't stop them. Miller and Condon back tomorrow. Talk to you.